Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Well, everybody's happy, seemed like. Amen. Sister Betty, we got that song in this week. Appreciated that. Amen. Well, how many have seen uh, California on the news? The moon shall be as blood and sun shall be darkened. Scripture's fulfilling it. Right before our eyes. Millions and millions of acres burning this morning. Looked like uh, a town out there just looked like a atomic bomb hit it. It's flat. Seems like we got another hurricane rolling in the south. And here we are sitting right in the middle. Amen. With a revelation. Our redemption isn't here. Amen. So I'll give you quite a few notes this week. We're kind of um, regressing just a little bit on the subject. But I keep trying to bring the symbolic language in of the book of Revelation. For the book of Revelation to us is the sealed book. And has been sealed ever since John saw the visions and wrote down what he was able to see and what he was allowed to write. And actually has been sealed up and veiled for 2,000 years. Whatever John saw was basically a picture of God's plan through the ages as it unfolds. And we was promised at the end time under the Seventh Church Age Messenger that the seals would be taken off the book of Revelation and we could look and see God's plan coming down through seven church ages from the ride of the uh, Antichrist all the way until it sets itself up in the throne in Jerusalem. We're nearing that time. Now, Revelation 13 is America. You don't understand that. Revelation 17 is Catholicism or Rome and its harlot systems. And we understand that. We see the politics today moving into its perfect picture. We've seen that Trump basically added another nation to the peace treaty over slowly coming to that agreement that must be reached for the last three and a half years of Daniel's 70th week. We also realize that America is not in the picture at that time. We will either be totally destroyed by atomic fire or the natural disasters and our disruption will cause us to not to be of any importance. One or the other, America is not in the picture at that time. We see the sixth seal has been opened, 1964. The sixth seal was opened by the earthquake in Alaska. And we see the beginning of the tribulation period. Because remember, in the days of the seventh seal, when that's revealed, it automatically brings on the sorrow. If you go through the type of the Old Testament showing you that tribulation and judgments and suffering comes immediately after the opening of the seven seals. It may not have affected us yet as a people, but it really has. Because uh, you'll have to watch your mind. You'll have to watch your thoughts. You'll have to watch the news. And most of all, you'll have to check your experience with God. In other words, you've got to examine yourself constantly because as the Holy Spirit withdraws from America and the Gentile people and returns back to Israel to bring all of that into pass, the less and less will be the presence and the conviction of God in the church. Because he that's filthy is filthy still, he that's righteous is righteous still. In other words, it's all sealed up, closed up, and it's waiting. Nothing be added to it, nothing taken away. And that's where we find ourselves. But he give us... Uh, uh, a revelation in this white stone. He said, look on this until basically it climaxes in the end. I titled this message this morning, The Hidden Manna, which that's what we're on in the types. The Hidden Manna, and it's under the seventh seal. Hidden Manna under the seventh seal. And I'll give you a little prelude. What you're going to see that there is manna that gives you eternal life. And there is manna promised in this hour to give you immortality. There's manna that's given by the Apostle Paul, the mystery of the gospel, that promised eternal life. There's manna also, as Jesus said, will be given, and it will, you will never die. 
So it's the same matter, the Alpha and Omega, Paul and Brother Branham under the pillar of fire. And in this hour, the complete mystery given to Paul will be revealed to you. And then enter into the tree of life, which will be a revelation of the Logos or the pillar of fire. The finality is the revelation of the Logos, God. What is this light? Who is he? Has he been revealed to you? Have we seen him as he is? In other words, John said, when he shall appear, and that's what we believe the seventh seal was, the appearing of the Logos. When he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, we have seen a picture of the pillar of fire, but have we actually seen God as he is, which is the invisible spirit? Not the spirit, a spirit. God is a spirit. All right. Have we seen the invisible God as He is? Well, we know that we cannot see Him unless He reveals Himself by vision to a prophet. And the prophet communicates the symbol or the revelation to us. Therefore, our faith of the vision comes by hearing the prophet speak or preach his sermon or unveil this mighty God. Brother Brown preached the sermon, the unveiling of God and the mighty God unveil. So we have had the unveiling of God to bring a union or a marriage with the bride of Jesus Christ. And remember now, he will only marry a virgin. So how is he going to call us out of the harlot systems? And then a process takes place where we are declared justified. That means just as though you never done it. Which places us as the virtuous, sinless bride of Jesus Christ to be married or to take on the headship of God the Word here in this hour. So the invisible union is God coming down and taking preeminence over the body. A marriage takes place here on earth. And what we want to see under the seventh seal, this revelation of the hidden manna that is promised that we will not die, but that it will change us into immortality. In other words, the tree of life will come exposed to us and we'll partake of that revelation. All right. So that's what we want to look at this morning the hidden manna, and I call it under the seventh seal. So I started with a quote in the seventh seal, and this is what Brother Branham said many times. I think his language is symbolic also, and just as confusing as some of the uh, scriptures in the, in the Revelation. Brother Branham makes this statement. Now, the eighth chapter only reveals, now the eighth chapter is basically the uh, angel opened the book of the seventh seal, and uh, basically there was silence about the space of half an hour. The eighth chapter only reveals the scene of the seventh seal. In other words, the scripture only gives you the scene of the seal being opened. Nothing said. And then there was space in heaven about the space of half an hour. In other words, he said, look, we see the scene of the seventh seal. So we understand that the lamb that opened the first six seals in chapter 6 also opens the seventh seal. Therefore, the seventh seal is real. There is a seventh seal. And he understands that. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seals, seals up the book of mystery. If that seventh seal is not opened, as 99% of the message people believes, then the book can never be opened for our understanding until that seal is opened. So many things that we claim that we understand, we don't have a true understanding if that seal is not open. Are you following me? And we need the understanding under the seventh seal to reach the tree of life for immortality. All right. So he said, now, where nothing else is revealed. So what we see is a symbol of a lamb opening a seal in absolutely total silence. Now, I've got my opinion on that. I think I can prove by Scripture. Remember in Matthew, I believe it was Matthew 24, they asked Jesus, what it will be the sign of the end of the world, and what will be the sign of thy 
coming, which that word is perusia. What will be the sign of your appearing in your original form? What will be the sign of the end of the world and the sign of your appearing? And Jesus said, I don't know when that will be. So the man did not know when the perusia or the appearing of God, where he would come and expose himself to his church and reveal the complete mystery of Jesus Christ the same yesterday and forever. I don't know. The angels in heaven don't know. Only my Father knows. And I believe when the seventh seal was open and it was silent in heaven, Jesus knew at that time. The angels knew at that time. And they were silent. Brother Brown said to keep the devil from hearing what was said that he could come down here and cause disruption. There is the mystery. What will be the sign of your coming? And the seventh seal was mystery. So the seventh seal held the mystery of the appearing or the coming of Jesus Christ. Now that is not the second coming. Revelation 19 where we come back with him. But it is Revelation 10, 1 to 3 where he comes down not with his bride or not for his bride. But to bring a revelation of the open book. Or to bring the tree of life down here that we can eat that element of manna that's been left over for us for immortality. Somebody has got to eat it and not die. All right. So that's the point we're going to try to make this morning. He said it is not revealed in the seventh seal. Uh, now watch. He said the seventh. Oh, you have to read his language here. I believe he's saying the seventh seal uh, nothing to do with the seventh chapter of Revelation. In other words, the seventh chapter of Revelation has nothing to do with the seventh seal or revealing what it was. The seventh chapter of Revelation is basically bringing forth the placing of the 144,000, uh, 12 or 12, 12, 12, or more. So that has nothing to do with the seventh seal. And it looked like he interjected the 144,000. And then in Revelation 8, 1 to 4, he mentioned the seventh seal opening, silence in heaven, the angel coming and taking the censer and pouring it out. In other words, he's showing you that it's a day of atonement. That process of a day of atonement is coming, and something is going to happen on earth. Now, what we need to know is what goes on in heaven. The only way we need, uh, can know what's going on in heaven is someone come down here that has a contact supernaturally, I'll say by means of a vision or a visitation, and then is allowed to let us know what went on in heaven. For we can only loose here what has already been loosed in heaven, and we can only bind here what has already been bound in heaven. See, we can't bind and loose on our own. We can already loose what has been loosed in heaven revealed down here for us to lose and we can bind on earth what has already been in heaven bound that's now revealed to us all right so he comes down here to bring a revelation now there's silence and he says what uh it's revealing the seventh seal is completely mute in other words the understanding of the seventh seal is completely mute there is nothing to give it away there's no symbol language. Uh, there's no um, words. There's no vision, no picture. He only sees the seventh seal open, blank. All right, if it's blank, then how are we going to know what it was? Now, there's where all the trouble comes from. Watch. It's revealing of the seventh seal is per perfectly mute. In other words, there's nothing said about it for us to be able to hear and remember, understanding comes by hearing. Faith or revelation comes by hearing. We receive the vision by hearing. Let me just follow me. You can take a whole lesson on it. Samuel was a prophet. He heard the voice of the Lord speak to him. He said, now I went and told Eli the vision. Well, he didn't have a vision like the prophet would have a vision. He heard God speak to him, but that hearing he called a vision. Therefore, he understood by hearing and called it a vision. Brother Branham 
said, My message is a revelation. And he caught it by vision, for the angel directed him in the word where to go. He spoke it piece by piece, and we hear. As we hear, we hear, understand or see or clearly understand the vision by the hearing of the word. So, in other words, without seeing the symbol in a vision, we can clear, see clearly what Brother Branham taught through the Word of God, just as though we were there in the vision. Matter of fact, it's clear because he has only sees it in symbol form and then has to tell us what it means down here in our own language. All right, are you following? So, all right, so what, look, here's where he makes a little, uh, not an error, but he throws you a curve here. Watch. And if I only had time... I'll try a few places to show you all the way back from Genesis. Now, he's telling you, all the way back to Genesis, this seventh seal is spoke of from the beginning in Genesis, this seventh seal. So, for all these years, we read that and said, now, there must be something written in Genesis that would tell me what's not spoke in chapter 8, verse 1 and 3. But I finally come to the realization that he's not telling me that there's something written. But he's showing me that there is a revelation hidden starting from Genesis all the way through to be revealed in the days of the voice of the seventh angel when he shall begin to sound. The mysteries of God shall be finished as he declared to his prophets. That goes all the way back to the garden. So he said the seventh seal... Nothing is revealed. It is perfectly mute as to what it is. But he tells us, he can show us that this silence or this seventh seal was spoke of from Genesis. Now, I went back to Genesis and you'll find out, as I said before, even Jesus spoke of a mystery that no one knew except the Father. In other words, it was hidden. But we find in Genesis certain things spoken. But who really understood the mystery of the serpent seed? Who understood the mystery of the serpent seed until a group of people had the uh, umption to take a prophet's word for it? I've debated theologians on the serpent seed. They said, well, he, he eats something. If it was sex with a serpent, uh, it can't be that because he eats something. It must be apricot. It must be apple. What more? Because they take it literally. And the revelation is hidden. What is the mark that he placed on Cain? Not very many people know. So it's hidden. So he's showing you that there's things starting from Genesis that is not revealed or made known or defined by written, written explanation to let us in on the mystery. Until at the end of the seventh church age, it will be revealed under the seventh seal at the end of the age. So, who really understood the woman's seed? See, who understood the woman's seed? Uh, maybe the Apostle Paul, by revelation, understood the woman's seed, because he said that uh, the seed was Christ, the promised seed was Christ, so he had an understanding of it. How many knew who appeared to Paul or Abraham? How many knows who appeared to Abraham, served in communion, took tithes from Abraham, and Abraham called him God? And he was king of Salem. So who understood that? You said, well, I understand that because I heard the prophet. Yeah, but you didn't. how many knew it before you heard the prophet tell you? See, you didn't know it until this last 20 or 30 years until it was preached on, preached on, and taught on, and slowly your mind adjusted, adjusted to you, you begin to accept it. Yeah, that sounds logical to me. It was hid. It was not known. Theologians couldn't get it. Why? Because there was nothing written to explain it. And they couldn't take that scripture and compare it with another scripture and come to a true revelation of the mystery of God. All right. So we find out. Well, I, I like this one. I will hammer. What about Psalms 110, 1 to 4? Oh, we're still arguing over that one, aren't we? Where it says that one Lord speaking to another Lord. The Lord said unto my Lord, set thee on my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. What's the mystery? 
people in the message. I've had ministers handle the Bible and said, read Psalms 110, 1 to 4. They won't even touch the Bible, just like it's got a plague. I said, you mean to tell me that you're a preacher of the gospel and you will not take the Bible and just read those four verses of Scripture? I said, something must be wrong with you. No, there's something wrong with you. You believe in two God. <laughs> I said, so I don't know. You have glanced at it one time or the other, and you don't understand what it's saying, so you're afraid of it. So the revelation of the Lord said unto my Lord. Now, we know there's two lords there, but there's not no such thing as two gods. Can you say amen to that? So there must be a mystery land there of who God was speaking to. And Jesus said it was him. See, Jesus tells you three or four places it was himself. So we see the mystery of silence or the lack, I call it the lack of definition or uh, defining it of father and son. So he is not saying there is written things in the scripture defining the seventh seal. He's showing us that the seventh seal are things were hidden, not revealed by God, started in the book of Genesis, and was only made known to us or given a clear understanding when it was interpreted by God himself that wrote the book. And Brother Branham now was only a mouthpiece. How many understands that? He said, well, Brother Branham was the prophet. Brother Branham was a prophet, but he was not the prophet. Revelation 10.1, God himself is his own prophet. I know people don't like that, but God, the message and the messenger was one. That's not William Branham. That's God and his message, which is the word, is one. So God is his own prophet, and he can interpret his own word by bringing to pass what he's already said. And then by the means of a son of man or a voice, a mouthpiece, a human being, he transmits to us what has been for us to get a clear picture of it by the hearing of the word. Amen. That's not too bad, is it? So the revelation given to the prophet that God vindicates to be true is spoken out to us that we see by means of hearing the vision or the revelation interpreted that we are to believe until the revelation forms or grows within us. Most of us have sat and listened to these teachings or sermons for 20, 30, 40 years. And we preach them and preach them and believe them. Slowly by slowly by slowly, the understanding comes of what has been said. All right? So it grows within you. Therefore, making the body word of the Son of Man the message, the food that absolutely changes your body. It changes your mind. It changes your spirit. And in your soul, it puts another nature there. It begins to feed you and grows from inside out till it absolutely anoints the body exteriorly and changes it from mortal to immortality. The last stage of this message is right there. The body. All right, so we there is something there that must be something for the mind to process. In other words, we cannot process something invis- invisible. There must be something heard or seen for the mind, our minds, to process the information to get a picture. Everything must come through the mind. The mind either deals with it, the mind either throws it aside, the mind either mulls on it, meditates on it. In other words, If the anointed word holds the mind's attention and it meditates on it, then it absolutely moves from the mind or spirit mind down to the soul. When it comes down to the soul, it becomes food or nourishment. And it grows and creates a hunger for more of the word of God. It's like the more... uh, Pie you get. I was trying to think of that cream pie. What is it? Uh, I, what is it? No, it's not coconut cream pie. It's, it's just whatever where I'm not supposed to eat. <laughs> I snuck a piece of Esther while my wife was going to the, uh, the shower. So I snuck a piece and then, whew, it sure is good. And the more you eat of it, the more you like it. And the more you eat of the revealed word, the more hunger and thirst it creates. 
All right, so I, I put in the text this morning. I put the text as Revelation 10, 1 to 7. You've heard it read many, many, many times. But Revelation 10, 1 to 7 now is the seventh seal. All right. Revelation 10, 1 to 7 is the seventh seal. And it speaks of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as the angel of the covenant or the Logos himself. Not the flesh man Jesus. The flesh man Jesus either standing before the throne or sitting on the Father's throne in heaven. Once he leaves that throne or the presence of the throne, it's all over. As long as the man Jesus is on the throne or in the presence of the throne, the door is still open as far as I understand. Once he leaves that throne room and begins to come down, step down, for the Father to present to us, to Him, in the midair or the atmosphere up here for the marriage supper, the door is open as far as I understand. All right. So Revelation 10 to 7 is showing you that there is a coming of God Himself. Or verse 1 says, I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud. A rainbow was upon His head. His face was as it was the sun, and His feet as pillars of fire. So we find the covenant angel... Because the rainbow speaks of judgment by fire now instead of water. It also speaks of the covenant. So we hadn't got to that part of the covenant in the holiest of all yet. But it speaks of the covenant that's in the holiest of all. This is your covenant angel, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Logos, the anointing, God himself. All right. Had in his hand a little book open, which has the seven seal book that we read in chapter 8. And cry with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. And when he had cried. In other words, the first pull and second pull. This perusia began, I believe, around 1933 when he appeared at the uh, river at the baptism. And in 1963 is where most people go. We find in 1963 when the seven angels come, forming the head or the cloud wig of the judge. It's where God took headship over the body of Christ. He took headship over the body of Christ. The seven angels formed the anointing to bring forth the marriage or the perusia or the presence of God himself in the midst of the church. All right. So you look at that. Now, verse 7, I want to look at that just a few minutes because we'll go back uh, to uh, the New Testament matter. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, and that is in this hour, basically from, if you want to put from 1963 to 65, uh, look at it from 1933 through 65. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound. Now, that is the opening of the seventh seal, beginning as serves this the time that he preached the mystery of the seven seals. Watch. The mystery of God should be finished, as he declared to his servants the prophets. The mystery of the Apostle Paul, the mystery of God, is actually the mystery of the gospel given to the Apostle Paul that the Gentiles failed to grasp and went into its time period the same as Israel turned down Moses and went into their demise. Watch. Uh, Ephesians 3.3. 3. This is just in Ephesians. You can read other chapters. Ephesians 3.3 3 said. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words. Ephesians 3, 4, whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Ephesians 3, 9, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. So all the way back to Genesis, this has been hidden which is represented of the tree of life or the revelation of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5.32, this is a great mystery. Now, here's what we're going to come to under the seventh seal because I believe and can prove that marriage and divorce was the last part of the seventh seal that Brother Branham said, I looked at, I know what it is, but I could not interpret it. So he's seen something. He's seen a symbol that he didn't reveal or make known at the time that he preached the seven seals or the seventh night when he preached this sermon, the seventh seal. But he tells you it will unfold. I know what it is. 
In marriage and divorce, he tells you he has known this for some time. And remember now, he brings us out of the church ages. Revelation 8, 4, come out of her, my people. And he has to deal with sin to be able to be married to this church. So he calls out a group of people that he's going to wash. He's going to sanctify. He's going to place her before himself in a trial. And she's going to be found not guilty because of predestination. I'll put it like that. So, <laughs> glory to God. So, I always read, now watch, I always read marriage and divorce as basically a legal teaching of natural men and women in marriage and divorce. It was not. It was symbolic revelation of Christ and the church. Because he turned around and preached invisible union. He said marriage and divorce and invisible union was the same sermon preached two different times. I look at it then as a whole now. Come back from the individual. I look at it as the church. We, the church, spotted up with sin. Adulterous and adulteries by our natural birth. Something has got to place us sinless or bring us to a true justification before God. Something has got to happen, not on our part, because there's nothing that we can do. Something has to happen in the righteous mind of God that He deals with the sin question in His church because He's got to make a way for the predestinated elect children to come in as though they never done it in the first place. That is the mystery now hid under the seventh seal that will bring us to immortality. Okay. Ephesians 6, 19. For me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So what it's telling me in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, the mystery of the gospel that given to the apostle Paul, that he said that church couldn't go to because they wouldn't go to perfection or the full understanding of Melchizedek and those different teachings. So the mystery of the book of Genesis was still hid, placed in, let's say, veiled in the seventh seal until the days of the voice of the seventh angel who was declared to reveal what was in the open book. So the mysteries of the Apostle Paul, true salvation, true baptism of the Holy Ghost, true election, the true teaching on sanctification. Your do's and don'ts will never sanctify you. You can live in a cave and never see daylight and be just as full of sin and unbelief as you can be. So there's got to have something supernatural to sanctify you by the blood to make you acceptable in the presence of God. And it has to be a revelation by grace. We believe it. This is like Sister Media said, Brother uh, Bill said, I, I don't understand. You keep asking, do we understand? He said, I don't understand. He said, just believe. Just believe it. The understanding will come. So the mystery of the gospel given to the Apostle Paul is to be made clear by the seventh angel. For both parties, we see the pillar of fire giving them the message and also giving the last one the interpretation. Only the pillar of fire can interpret his own word. So you've got Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Jesus said, I'm the first and I'm the last. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. What you've got is a pillar of fire in the beginning, the book of Acts. You've got the pillar of fire over here in the seventh church age to end up all things. When you see the pillar of fire come to the church and make himself known, you know that the end of all things is at hand. It's over. That's what he's trying to tell you. So, we looked in the last lesson about the uh, manna in the wilderness. And we understood that the manna was a supernatural food provided by God for 40 years that they wandered in the wilderness. Their clothes didn't wear out. They didn't get sick and nothing else. It was supernatural manna. 
We're also told that they were told to gather one day's portion at a time. And if any was left over from one day to the next, they woke up the next morning and it had worms in it. It was rotten and it stunk. I wonder why Brother Bram said, don't bring any of the Pentecostal message over into this new message. Because it will not be carried over from one time period to another. 1964, the Pentecostal age is over, that's thus saith the Lord. Don't bring any of that over into this. Feed on the new message. He is here. Hallelujah. It gets so simple sometimes you want to slap yourself upside the head, wonder whether you got it right or not. Watch. So one omer full of manna, we're told in the Old Testament, in the book of Hebrews also, that one full omer of manna was placed in the holiest of all, which was one individual portion for one day. So when the high priest went into the holiest of all, he would absolutely see a one-day portion of manna and realize that was a daily supply for one person. That's very important. This must be, according to Revelation 2.17, which is a prophecy made in the Philadelphian age, but Brother Branham said it was to the end age, only promised in that age, but fulfilled in our age, and it was what? He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. Now remember, that's to the end age or the seventh age also, who overcomes and is set down with me in my Father's throne, even as I overcome and set down in my Father's throne. You can set down with me in my throne, even as I overcome and set down in my Father's throne. This same promise, Brother Bram said, was made in this age, only as a seed or spoken word promise, but will be fulfilled in the seventh age under the seventh seal. Because you remember there is a new name written. To him that overcometh, I will give to eat of a hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. So there has to be a new name written in white stone, which speaks of a revelation that's given to the overcomer in this age, and we'll say that new name has the ability in it to do great things. Brother Branham said, the seven thunders revealed the new name of God. Okay, Brother Branham, Brother Gray, what is, what is, what is, no, we'll get to it. Hidden manna would be manna set aside. And hidden in the holiest of all, or we would say sealed up where you can't get to it. The holiest of all is a type of the seventh seal. The holiest of all is a type of the seventh seal. So we're in a dispensation of time now as a group of people that has been allowed to enter into the holiest of all to feed on the hidden manna, to understand the covenant in the presence of God Himself. All right. So he speaks to the overcomer, an individual overcomer that overcomes What? The deceit of the systems, seven church ages, the right of the Antichrist. And Paul is talking about those that overcome this deceit. The Antichrist writers that started with the deeds of the Nicolaitans under Paul and ends with the system of the daughters of Revelation 17, the great harlot system. God will burn that system. We understand that Revelation 13 is Protestantism, which is America. Revelation 17, the great beast there is Catholicism or what we call Rome and her hearted daughters. God is against the systems of religion. So now those individuals that overcome that system, come out over my people, will be given this hidden manna to eat. Now this hidden manna will reveal to you the new name of God. And the individual who overcomes and comes out to go in will be an individual supply to get you through the day. Now remember, there's the days of the Son of Man, 
We've taught that. First and second pull, the days of the Son of Man. Then there's a day, an allotment of time, that the Son of Man is revealed. Days of the Son of Man, and in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that period of time called the day, we have a supply. There's a hidden manna that keeps us in the day where we're feeding on something that the foolish virgins didn't have all to get into or to come out of, and it was told to go by. Because we said we can't give you it. In other words, we cannot give them the revelation of the seventh seal, for it's not in them to receive it. All right. So let's look at this manna now in John. Boy, we're getting late quick. In John 6, verse 30 to 66. We won't get to it all, but let's look at something. Here's two kinds of manna. Watch. In John chapter 6, verse 30, we find that Jesus said, They said unto, therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now watch very carefully now. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. Now we say, Brother Branham, give us bread from heaven. Brother Branham did not give us this bread from heaven. The pillar of fire, our God himself, brought us this bread from heaven. But my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. If, he, if the Father gives us the true bread from heaven, the Father and the true bread must be one and the same. Because God and His Word is one. Since there's no two gods, then the Word must be the one God. Are you following me now? So the Father... The Word and the Holy Spirit, according to John, 1 John, is one. So if God feeds me this true bread from heaven, He's absolutely given me a revelation of Himself. Glory to God. Verse 34, Then said they unto Him, Lord, evermore give us of this bread. That's a good question. So what we find here, we find that Jesus is the true bread, and Jesus I'm speaking of here now, is the Logos, or God Himself, the Word. Keep your mind on the one He's talking about. Brother Bam speaks very little about the Son or the body or the man Jesus. Jesus to Him here is the Logos, the pillar of fire. So Jesus is the true manna. Jesus being the Logos, the Word. That the other manna is a type in the wilderness, on the ground, and he represents a supernatural supply by God, and he represents what is to be eaten by the people. Tells them how much, how, and when, where. Number two, we find supply is portioned out to an elected people. What do you mean elected? Verse 37 said, All that the Father give me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. So this food is for elected group of people. Not that he predestinated this and in and that and out, but he knew who would accept him and feed upon him. Now Jesus knows that it belongs to an elected people alone. Verse 39. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing. That's a good promise, isn't it? But shall raise it up at the last day. Now here's the point I want to make it clear. So let's, I know it's boring sometimes, but it's real sharp now. So he's telling you this manna now will raise them up in the last day. So he's telling them that they're going to die. But there's something that's going to raise them up in a resurrection somewhere down in the future right verse 44 no man can come to me except the father which has sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day so he's speaking about a manna that's going to be 
given that will bring a resurrection. Verse 53, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. Now he speaks of the new birth. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And now he's speaking of the new birth, or what we would call the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And if you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he's telling you right here that you are guaranteed of what? Resurrection. Resurrection. Now, those in verse 47 to 49 are dead. Say they lost it. Let's read. Watch. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. They eat a certain, they eat a manna and died. That manna was given to supply and give them life. So that manna did not accomplish in type what Jesus said this end time manna will do. He tells us that this bread would do something else for us. Verse 50, notice, this is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. Come on, let's keep our minds going now. There's a bread that gives gives you everlasting life, and it'll raise you up in the end day. Now there's a bread given that you won't die, period. If he tells us we won't die, he already said he would raise them up. He told that crowd, eat of me, I'll raise you up. Now he turns around and tells the same crowd, eat this manna and you shall not die. If you don't die, you won't need to be raised up. Hallelujah. That's what you come to church for this morning. I, don't, I doubt if there's anyone in here that says, boy, I really want to die. I'm holding on the desk trying to live. No one wants to die. So what are you looking for? You're looking for something to keep you alive. But you know that the vitamins and herbs are not doing too much for you. It's keeping you going. But it's not hardly keeping you alive. Then where do I go to eat something that's got some kind of vitamin in it? That I won't die and actually change in my body. Hidden manna. All right. So he's telling you some will eat this bread from heaven and be resurrected. Some will eat this bread, this hidden manna, and not die. I preached you this for you 30-something years. I hope you finally get it, that you're under the seventh seal, and you are promised not to die. That is our confession. Your witness of the Holy Ghost tells you, I am not supposed to die. The witness of the Holy Ghost in the days of Paul, the witness told them, I've got a promise that he'll raise me up. The hidden manna, when it strikes you, that revelation gives you the promise, I'm not going to die. So from the first age until the last, or the seventh church age, they eat the manna supplied by the angel to each age. In other words, the book of Ephesians tells you that every age had its joint, every joint had its nourishment to supply what it needed for that age. And that at age in that manna was provided a resurrection promise in that portion of the manna of their day. But we see in the seventh age, the hidden manna would be given or revealed by the seventh angel with the promise that we won't die, but those who are left alive shall not prevent those that are asleep. This is our promise. This is what we're going to church for. This is why we look at the book of Revelation. This is why we constantly turn over these sermons and feed on them and feed on them and feed on them because it grows within us and strengthens our body. Therefore, we see the eating of this hidden manna under the seventh seal. This red bread represents both eternal life and immortal life. Eternal life from those, if you eat, 
I will raise you up in immortality of those that eat in the day when the Son of Man is revealed by the appearing of God Himself. St. John 11, 25 and 26. I hope I have impressed upon you that the mystery of everything that everybody's squabbling over is the understanding of the appearing, the perusia of Jesus Christ, the pillar of fire, which is God the Word. Because Revelation 10, 1, that angel comes down. He is not coming with the bride, and he is not coming for a bride. He comes down with an open book to supply a revelation of himself, to dress a bride, get her ready, gather her together, to take her up one step in the presence of God for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Praise be to God. Come on, Tim. Amen. If I was younger, I could preach to you for three hours. But since I get older, I seem like I can get out of breath. Amen. So what are you looking at? We're looking at the partial manna compared to the perfect manna or the perfect realization that is brought forth in this hour. We understand, and most ministers are preaching now, back to Pentecost. We understand that the original manna was poured out on the day of Pentecost. The true baptism of the Holy Ghost in the form of a lick of fire, a part of God Himself, was poured out on the day of Pentecost. A lick of fire settled upon each individual and basically took its abode in that individual calling the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. In this end time, God is a consuming fire, comes down here, separates Himself by the revealed Word, and takes His abode in every individual, and unites with that soul, bringing forth a birth or a seed. When the Word makes its union with your soul, it forms now a seed, which is impregnated that will reproduce itself. It takes the Word and the soul or the germ United together, just like a natural birth, the woman and the seed, you join together. When it joins together, that invisible union now makes you a seed or a son and daughter of God. Hallelujah. Whew. Glory to God. Therefore, leaving the principle of the doctrine of Christ, let us go into perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So Jesus tells us, if we eat this manna, the revelation given to Paul, we are not only going to go to the promised land, but we're going to the promised land now in new bodies. This manna does something the type didn't define. The type failed. But Jesus shows us that the revealed manna will do this. It will take us to immortality. And I'm going to stop there this morning. This mystery of immortality was the secret that Paul preached that the church world couldn't get because they were not full matured or in the seventh age. This age should bring us a revelation of the mystery of immortality, the mystery of Melchizedek. It contained the mystery of the serpent seed. It contained the mystery of cleansing of the bride, marriage and divorce, and that is in light of the church and the bridegroom. Are you following me now? Not marriage and divorce between you and a woman. Marriage and divorce between God and His church. It brings us that revelation. Brings a union. And birth is to be, which brings a resurrection. And a change of our bodies because we won't die. Hallelujah. Let's stand this morning, would you? We'll stop right there. You can read the rest of the notes. I give myself away. and Actually, what I want to preach is given into the notes each week. If you read it, you'll get the full picture. If you don't, you can just get a partial picture. Piece by piece. But the understanding of the coming, or let's just call it what they call it, the second coming of Jesus Christ has already took place according to Scriptures, now unveiled to us. That's hidden from the fundamental. Because they look at a two-step 
approach to the rapture, we look at a three. And there's the mystery. Revelation 10, 1 to 7 is hid from the fundamental mind, hid from the Gentile church, except a very small elected group of people that will feed on this message. This message is the hidden manna brought forth in this generation to the very elected people of God. And it is promised to bring immortality to us. What else is, is of this for us to do? Just believe all things are possible. Birth is to be. But there, man said, oh, Brother Man said, we wasn't born again in 1965. No. The resurrection is the rebirth into the glorified body or that which we should obtain, but we bypassed it in the beginning. Amen? So this message, the hidden manna, Revelation, the seventh seal, under it contains the mystery of the answer for sin. There's an answer for sin. Before we're married to him, we have to deal with the sin question. I've said this for 40 years to the legal preachers. You've got to do something with sin. And you cannot beat sin out of people. And you cannot put enough law on people to overcome sin. It's got to be a revelation of what God has done for you. And you believe it. And when you confess it with your mouth, it's imputed to you for righteousness sake. Amen. Let's sing a song. man. Praise God. Let's give God a praise this morning. Glory to God. Oh, sign me up. Let's say sign me up. Hallelujah. How many loves the Lord this morning? It is manner to the soul. Well, sign me up. Sign me up. For the gifts of Jubilee. Jesus, come, oh, sign me up. I've been changed. Jesus, come. Amen. Hey, ready to go. Praise the Lord. Come. Amen. All right. Hemi's going to try to come Saturday night. The reason I want to know if we order pizza or something like that, I don't know how much to order. Amen. Are you going to try to come? Now, don't just stick up your hand so I'm coming if you're not planning on coming. If you're planning on coming, we need to feed you, so let's raise your hand. All right. Okay. Full crowd. I would appreciate a full crowd coming. I think it would be nice to hear Brother Allen. I've never heard him before. Sam says he's good. If he's not good, we'll take it out on Sam. <laughs> Sam took full responsibility for this service. And if he's a bomber, we'll just take it out on Sam Sunday morning. Right? If he's all right, then we'll just pat Sam on the back for in, <laughs> giving us the attention to invite him to come. But we're looking for him to come and have a service. I think it'd be good for us, and maybe some visitors will come in, whatever more. So everybody doing all right? Everybody healthy, wealthy, and wise? You ready to go? We're moving closer to that time. Praise the Lord. Amen. We are blessed. We're under the protective presence of Almighty God. Amen. We are one with Him. And now are we the sons of God, and the world is waiting for that unveiling of the sons and daughters of God, which that's what the seventh seal done. See, it unlocked the revelation of who you are to you. How many knows who you are? That's what revelation does for you. It takes the seal off of your own heart, your own book, and opens up the revelation that you can see Christ the Word, like a mirror. And what did the little boy say? 
Mommy, that's me. And he looks in the scripture and says, you know what? That's me right there. Come out over my people. You know, you know I remember that. I come out. Man, I heard that. I come out of this. I come out of that. That must be me right there. Elijah will turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the Father. Man, I see that. My heart was turned back. I, that's me. That must be me right there. That's who we are. Don't go weary in well-doing. Don't let your mind get all messed up. I don't feel nothing. I don't seem to get nothing one more. Just keep right on complacent. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. And it will carry us all the way through. All things are possible if you only believe that He is here. Don't look in the past, which that's what we do most of the time. Look back in Brother Branham's day and say, oh, God was there. But he said, now the revelation brings Christ in the present tense to you. God himself is here now speaking to us in his perfect form, which is by the scripture through fivefold ministry. Amen. It's, it's amazing. Amen. You feel blessed this morning? Let's just bow our hearts for a word of prayer before we live. Father, we are a grateful and a privileged people this morning to be able to hear and to understand and rejoice at the unveiled word, your very presence among us. The mystery of God being made known. You said you were seen of angels, heard of men. Now in this hour you come down to expose yourself completely to us by the revealed word. You come down with a wig as the judge to deal with the sin question. So we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you give us a revelation of your true justification that you have granted us, the perfect standing in our state before Almighty God, your presence. Clothe us in your righteousness, wash us by the water of your word, and may the blood of Jesus Christ completely cleanse us from all sin. We thank you for every soul you gathered this morning. We thank you for your blessings, your protection, from keeping us from the trials of this age, from the diseases and all these spirits that are among us. We thank you for that, Father. Now we ask your blessings to go with us. May your presence be with us continue. As we return Saturday night to be rejoiced in your presence once again, we pray that you'll keep us and bless us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. You can be dismissed as we sing it. Well, sign me up for